Welcome to the Nightcast. This is a time where we go a little bit deeper on what's happening in Christian education, specifically what's happening at Providence Academy. This is a special episode. Uh, we've got two superstars with us today. We've got Dr. Tim Dernland from uh, ACCS. He's a vice president there. And we have Pete Hegseth, uh, author of Battle for the American Mind, Fox News guy, something, author, all the things, <laughs> two great people with us today. They're going to share with us a little bit about what's going on in classical Christian education on a national level. So typically on the show, we're talking micro in the classroom at Providence Academy. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening in the larger movement, what we're a part of here. So Dr. Dernlin, tell us a little bit about ACSI, what's our ACCS. Sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to say the other guys. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about ACCS, what's happening, what you guys are seeing here. Sure. We're seeing tremendous growth. We've grown by 20% in the past three years. We had 100 new schools start up last year, 100 new schools the year before that as well. And it's just an amazing time of growth, and people are waking up to the beauty of classical Christian education. Yeah, so it's exciting to see. Providence Academy obviously is growing by leaps and bounds. Sure. But it is so exciting to see that we're not alone. We're not isolated. It's not like a little bubble that's just happening in our neck of the woods, but throughout the country classical Christian education is exploding. Sure. I have and, friends in Portland, obviously you guys here in a more conservative area, they're just all, all over the place. The classical Christian schools are growing and God's using what uh, what uh, was an awful situation and awful agendas and waking people up and uh, driving them to the true good and beautiful education of classical Christian education. Yeah. And, and in no short order because of the book that was published this summer, New York Times number one bestseller, Battle for the American Mind. Amen. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about about that book. Just give us the quick Well, download. I mean, it, all glory to God for the project, mm. the timing and everything. And I had a chance to to uh, to co-author with David Goodwin, who's the president of ACCS, uh, an amazing human being, faithful Christian, great historian, educator. Uh, and we just came together. Uh, it felt providential in the way it came about. We kind of tell that story in the book. But I came at it as a parent, you know, and, and someone in the middle of our culture and news media and what's happening. And he came at it as someone who's been in the classical Christian movement for three decades. And we collaborated to try to write something that <laughs> shook people where they're at mm. and said, you know, the first step to recovery is understanding the depth of your problem. Mm -hmm. Like, just admit it. Right. You're, not, you're not special. Your school district's not special. Your state's not special. Like, what's happened to education in America has been a complete takeover by the progressive left. And it started over 100 years ago. And most of us never noticed it when it happened. So it's okay to admit you're part of the problem because we all have been at some point. Yeah. You just come to it when 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 God calls you or when you're exposed to that information. And so to your point, it's it's the darkest moments, and we're in some dark cultural moments right mm. now. I mean, it, it, you turn on Fox any given day, you're seeing stuff that you could never have conceived of being seen in our country, let alone in classrooms. But that means God's truth shines brighter in that darkness. And mm. I think that creates the opportunity for, for parents to look around. And as the awareness raises, which is the other part of the book, it was a problem identification and then a raise awareness that there is this crown jewel of education out there that most Americans have never heard of at all. Most Christians haven't heard of at all huh. because most churches got out of the education business, abdicated their responsibility in the culture in many ways. And so they 
preach it on Sunday and Wednesday, and then they basically go like this when it comes to Monday through Friday, uh, eight to three. And as a result, we're handing our kids over to a culture that has a totally different perspective. So COVID was a big part of it. Parents looked around. We One of our first chapters is the COVID 16, 19 moment. Yeah. It's like that moment when schools went online, kids are looking over their, parents are looking over their kids' shoulders. And they're seeing the 1619 project. They're being kids are being told that America was racist from the beginning. That not then the gender stuff. And and thankfully, this network of schools was there to say, go to classicalchristian.org and look at the map. And there's probably one close to you. Uh, and they're growing and they're thriving. And uh, we're grateful to be a, a small part of that. And you know what's great? We probably would not have been ready as a movement for this tremendous growth. 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And so I'm glad, I don't know about your school, Ben, but um, you probably are established just at the right time, hitting your stride, ready for this influx of, of growth. Absolutely. Uh, you know, not to, not to let us off the hook, but you go back in time, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, hmm. those churches were saying, well, Mrs. Johnson, she teaches Sunday school here, and she also teaches Absolutely. third grade at the local public school. And so everything's fine. And... Now the Mrs. Johnsons are retiring, or if they aren't retiring, they're raising their hands and they're saying, hey, this place is on fire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like It is yeah. not going well where we're at. We're seeing at Providence, we're seeing teachers from our local public schools storming us mm. with applications, resumes, trying to get out of the situations that they're in because they're seeing that it's they're not able to help these children. Absolutely right. I mean, we we talk about a word called paideia in the book, which is effectively how you enculturate or educate your youngest kids about what is good and truthful and beautiful, uh, what mm -hmm. the vision of the good life is. And I don't know if it was 20 years ago, but 30, 40 years ago, there was cultural osmosis almost of a paideia that reinforced values in the community, in school. In, actually, I'd go back further than that. But that it was there. So some of those assumptions were okay to make, but right. we're now in that moment where we're trying to wake parents up saying those assumptions are gone. I came from a public educator family. My dad was a gym teacher. All of my mom's side are all still elementary teachers and principals. And so my default assumption was my kids are going to public school. It's good enough for me, good enough for them. I'll probably talk about, you know, I've got a chip on my shoulder about private schools and sure. all, all, all that. I, our goal was to just Break that down and say, we're in it with you. And David and I talked uh, and prayed a lot, more sort of him, hmm. to make sure that a book like this was timed properly so that we weren't getting out front of the capabilities of networks to a, what we hoped would be God-inspired demand, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously, it all happened at a certain time, and I, I believe God played the major hand in that. But... We, it didn't want you don't want to write a book like this and then people got nowhere to go right and the reality is it is exploding uh there's there's classical homeschooling networks that are exploding there are way more options than ever and and that's the message to parents too is don't build in excuses as to why you can't because based on your lifestyle and your income there probably is something you can you can find and right? it's so much easier to start a school now than it was 20 years ago there's lots of resources and it's it's neat to see a lot of folks doing that yeah, we were meeting with a school from Knoxville that's been a great Christian school for the last 50 years in their community, but they're looking up and they're saying, hey, we're not really distinctly different. Hmm. And when we look at our curriculum, it's very progressive, um, not just in a political sense, yes. but in a spiritual sense, it's left truth. 
Hmm. Uh, if you look at your students and they can't define what beauty is, if they can't define what truth is, if they can't define what goodness is, and they're like, wait a minute, we've got to do something here. So we had a group of educators at our school uh, all morning. Uh, they sent, I don't know, 12 educators, and they spent the whole day just seeing what we were doing and talking to us about it because they're interested in making those adjustments and changes because they see the difference. Yeah. Uh, and fundamentally, it really is, it's a different product. Now, it can be intimidating sometimes, and we're always, I'm always worried about the, uh, the vocabulary. In your book, you talk a lot about how the progressives take our vocabulary that we're comfortable with, and they change the definitions. Mm -hmm. uh, with classical school, there's a bunch of words like padea, can seem intimidating, trivium, rhetoric, all these things. But when we really boil it down, we're trying to give these kids an education so that they can be free. Yeah. And live in the freedom of Christ. Paul said everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. We're no longer slaves to sin. We now live in the freedom of Christ. How then shall we live? And I think that as a society, any parent, even if you don't watch much news or you don't study politics very much, you can look up and you say, I think we have a real problem <laughs> being free. Yeah. Yes. You got it. You've got a whole generation that's looking at a political system that we know enslaves everyone in it. And they're saying, oh, yeah. That looks great. It's mm -hmm. because we've been telling them that, hey, your worth is in your job, in what your labor is, and that's your job in society's produce, and we'll take care of you. Mm -hmm. They haven't been taught that, hey, freedom's really hard. It is hard to cultivate. It doesn't happen overnight. And if you just do what feels good to you, then you'll be a slave to that, what you think is freedom will actually make you a slave. If not years, then months, if not months, then weeks, if not weeks, then days. Amen. Preach it. Uh, right. and so that book, your book really just opens that up to say, how on earth did we get here? Mm. Because that whole, uh, you, so well said, because that whole progression didn't start yesterday. It's always been, well, you know, elites or others said, you don't need to learn that free thinking thing, certainly not that God thing. You, you need to be trained a vocation yeah. or a skill, a, a vocation for the future industrial economy. So you'll be a prepared worker. You see, those who didn't want to seek truth, beauty, goodness, objective standards, wanted useful tools for a future economy who could be easily controlled. That's why I love what you talk about free thinking. That's effectively what you're talking about. You're talking about Christ-centered wisdom and then free critical thinkers, which is the exact opposite of what everyone who wants to control you wants from a student. And right. so it was an, it, so once you got, you, you told them you're training them for the industrial economy, then they stripped God out of public education completely, which made it, totally awash in, in effectively moral relativism and nothingness. If you can't define what's true or what's beautiful or what's good, you can't do art. You can't, I mean, it just, you can't do... It, yeah, you tape a banana to a wall. all falls apart. Yeah. And, and a lot of these, I mean, the response of educators to the book has been the most edifying, I think, is that mm -hmm. these school teachers who've been doing it, and they said, we just had no idea. We knew the unions had power. Yes, we knew God had been stripped out but we didn't realize how sinister it was, or even that something like social studies was a total progressive invention um, meant to study humans as if it's as if they're something that can be perfected um, and it's almost through enough social construct. When you go back and read some of these writers, when you read what John Dewey wrote, he basically says, Americans aren't smart enough yes. to get this kind of education. 
And it just kind of feels a little bit like a slap in the face. I worked in the public school system. I worked in a uh, in a 100% free and reduced lunch, 90% uh, minority school. I will tell you, raw intelligence is equally distributed amongst socioeconomic classes, amongst races. Kids are smart enough mm -hmm. if you let them, if you give them those opportunities. And so when I read his writing and he basically said, Americans aren't smart enough to get this type of education, I was like, that's, it felt like a slap in the face. But and if I, you know, it's like, and, but kids, kids believe that they've sure. imbibed that. Like, I'm not smart enough to study these things. I'm not smart enough to read these books. And, and not just kids, adults, parents mm. uh, believe it. That's just a socialist progressive mindset that the elites will take care of um, those who, who can't think for themselves. And, and um, what you mentioned earlier, the idea of human capital and job training. Um, that's why I love the classical Christian approach to be a, a life preparatory school yeah. and college just being one small thing along the way. Mm -hmm. And that whole virtue cultivation and, and paideia that we're passing on to our free citizens, uh, citizens of, of Tennessee, but citizens, more importantly, of the kingdom of Christ. It's just beautiful. Yes. And so being able to open that up for parents and say, hey, we didn't just I, I wasn't born in this mm. i actually came into this later in life uh, i was stepping into my professional career and i had bought that lie that education progressive modern education was going to save america mm -hmm. and i really believed it it didn't take long for me to see how shallow that was and how empty that was and so i got by chance i will say by providence i got exposed to providence academy and got to see what was happening there and been spending the last 15 plus years working through that. And so if you're a parent now and you're just like, wait a minute, all this sounds a little bit, sounds like a little bit much. Like I went to, I went to science Hill. My dad went to science Hill. My grandpa went to science Hill it was good enough for my kids. It's good enough for me. I would just encourage you to say like, Hey, take a moment, pause and take, give it a look. Now, if as a critical thinker, you look at it and you're like, Hey, listen, this isn't this isn't what we want for my family. Okay, that's okay. But I believe that our community has the intelligence, has the ability, has the passion, and loves their children passionately. East Tennesseans love their family, and that they're going to find a way to make that work, uh, and that they're going to their eyes are going to be open to some of those things, just like my eyes were opened at mm -hmm. one point. Um, and Province Academy is just a place where they can access that. You probably don't get many parents to come in and say, no, no, that's not for me. Once right. They see it. <laughs> I would say the, the further you look behind the curtain, the more you're going to love it. But it's not one of those things that you can put a 30-second elevator pitch on. Mm -hmm. There's so much more there. And you start to uncover that in your book of, hey, there's a lot more going on here than can be shown in a snapshot or a graph or a test score or even an outcome or college graduation rate there's it's so much deeper than that when you start getting into it with your own children absolutely and you i i personalize it and i'll i'll say that as well i mean you you talk about the slavery of sin and the entrapment of that mm. a lot of that comes from the bifurcation of your own life and and mm. it, it's not to blame anybody else but me or others in your personal choices but when you grow up with what is effectively a secular core through your education that you don't really even know is a progressive secular core and then you go to church on sunday and wednesday night and you kind of sprinkle it on top once you head out into the world you don't realize how quickly the, the decisions you make based on an insufficient foundation lead you into the shackles of sin and slavery mm -hmm. and i i think there are a lot of people in our generation you know 
people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 30s, 40s, 50s, who, who look back and go, I didn't even know. Uh, I careened around for a long time trying to figure out up from down. Now that I've seen it, I can't unsee it. And the one gift I can give to my kids or my grandkids mm. is that holistic foundation. I mean, the most important thing is saving their souls and introducing them to Christ. It's, classical Christian schools don't necessarily do that. David pounded that into my head. Like yeah. just because your kid goes to classical doesn't mean you're going to save their soul, but it probably will. And it'll have a huge impact on that entire formation so that it's all interlapping in a way that it makes sense and it reinforces. And, and you're right. It's not a silver bullet. It's not a magic formula, but it does intentionally set the table for the Holy Spirit to work, 100%. right? And it leads the students to that. it all reinforces and overlaps so that Wednesday and Sunday and Monday through Friday all are part of a, a story that isn't broken apart and isn't at odds with each other. Mm. So, and in the culture today, we can't, I'm going to talk about this. We can't afford to have survivors. Like we're basically, I don't want to speak for both of you, but like kind of survivors, yeah. right? We won't save our country or, or advance God's kingdom with survivors. Like we need warriors. Yeah. We need people equipped coming out of high school to say, whether it's my job or my family or college, I'm prepared to go out uh, with the full armor of God and, and and eyes wide open, but you know on my knees in prayer because that's what that's what's that's required. And that warrior mindset that you're talking about um, goes along with our theology coming out of our fingertips. If we're steeped in yeah. true, good, and beautiful, beautiful education, we'll live that out and we'll act on it. But like you said, the education that you received, I received, it led us in a different way because we didn't have a formational. Christian education yeah. and um and that theology came out too, right? Yeah, so, for sure. And that's yeah. not an excuse. Right. It's just a sort of recognition. It's a reminder of, of what it's we need to do for our kids. To say now's our time to pour into our kids. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and to, to wrap up, it's it's interesting as a head of school, I get so much from doing homework with my children. Hmm. Uh the things that I see that they're learning in the class. And I, you know, and I'm familiar with the curriculum. But when my daughter brings home a book and she's like, Dad, this is my favorite book. Let's read it. And so we read it as a family each night with my kids. And, you know, we read all kinds of stuff. And she's like, this is my favorite book. And the hmm. book that she brought home a couple of months ago is called These Are My People. And it's about a Chinese missionary and about her whole journey. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. My favorite book in the third grade was not this. Yeah. But if this is what she's taking in at school and what she's taking in at home and she's seeing God's faithfulness and all of those things, that's getting, that's becoming part of her soul and yeah. teaching her how to right order her loves. Mm. Yes. So thank you guys so much for coming and thank you for the work that you're doing uh, on behalf of families like mine uh, that you're going to hopefully be a part of making a generational impact and a generational change. Uh, and Lord willing, the future of our country. You're doing uh, it, so thank you very much. Yeah, thank it, you. It's it. my it's my highest pleasure. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm.